Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. This week's guest is Los Angeles comedian Spence Griffith. Spence is a twisted fuck, and he is a joy. I love talking to this guy. We talked about no effects. A surprise for me. I didn't know he knew the band. Turns out it's his favorite band, so we are a match made in heaven. He wrote horror movies and then kind of had a midlife crisis and went into comedy just to get depressed, it seems. I know you're going to love this episode. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in. I think this is the first podcast I've recorded where somebody's smoking a cigarette in the same room. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, not the same room, I guess, but... No, no, yeah, yeah, we're not in the same. I'm trying to blow it in my face, but in your face, <laughs> but they don't have an app for that yet. <laughs> I, I think we're about, like, 10 minutes away from that. <laughs> I think if we piss off Zuckerberg enough, he'll invent that. Or Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk, some rich douchebag. Some One of those Amazon Prime helicopters comes and smokes in your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be just a, a drone dedicated to give you emphysema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We heard what you said. Now fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, so uh, formal introduction, Spence Griffith. You're not from Los Angeles, right? No, no. Originally, I'm from Dallas. So why'd you move from Dallas to L.A.? Was it just for comedy? No, not at all. I got into comedy just three years ago. Um, oh, no shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I came for college. I was uh, screenwriting, mostly horror. I've always, I moved around a lot in high school. And so it was, it was never weird for me to leave. I've lived in other places. Do you prefer LA? Uh, yeah, although I'll tell you, hanging out with you guys and other East Coast uh, comics, I've discovered I actually do hate it here. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't realize it that I hated the people so much. <laughs> what is it about the people in LA that like kind of turns you off? Um, it's. And it's funny because it's just I've been here, so I hadn't noticed it really. And it's a big age thing, I think, also. But they're just... It's like getting in trouble for, like, what... I get fucked with for what I look and not my actions. And that is just... It's weird to me. I don't know. It's just they're, they're simultaneously, like, pussies and bullies at the same... They're, they're a little Donald Trumpish. Do you know much of Bowling for Soup, the band? Oh, I have. I don't know anything okay, about okay. them, though. Well, they have, a, they have a song, I mean, probably... I don't know, 15 years ago by now. It's called The High School Never Ends. And they're talking about LA and like the celebrity culture. And it's like, they're all still in this class system. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I'm, I feel stupid saying that, that it's like high school. <laughs> but that's, ex I mean, if I was, because I feel like it's a weak comparison, you know, just, but it's, it is, it is like high school. There's weird little bullying things going on and clicks and, it has very little to do with talent or, you know, what makes you a person. Um, I can't, I just woke up. I can't think of good words right now, but I swear I have a good vocabulary. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I, I, that's exactly how I say it. Starting comedy uh, in your late 30s is like going back to high school. Or it has been for me. I don't know if it's like that the rest of the country, though. For comedy. I thought it was just comedy, but I'm starting to think it's L.A. comedy. I don't think so. I think it's all comedy. And because I know I started at like 32 or 33. And mm -hmm. I, one of these days, I'm going to figure out when I started and attach that to an age. But no, <laughs> definitely. Like 
Like I have been in more drama through the comedy field in the last four years than I had been since high school or college. Like I took like a 10 year vacation from all the bullshit and said, you know what? I missed it. I'm going to start telling jokes and just dive deep into it. And it's incredibly annoying. Yeah, it's 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 weird. And it's interesting. Mean, you started late, for, for pretty late. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, which is bad. We were stupid for doing that. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, you're much better of a comic than I am. So it, uh, maybe not that's, as dumb. That's debatable. If we polled 100 people who have listened to me tell jokes and then just showed them a picture of you and say, who's the better one? They'd be like, Spence, all fucking dead. <laughs> I don't. All you, gotta, I, <laughs> all you gotta do is hear five minutes of my act, and you're like, "Shit, man, shouldn't I have been home?" Like, it's ridiculous. That's not true at all. Uh, your stuff's really well worked out and and tight. I, I like it. Yeah, it, but going in old, you kind of have this perspective where it's like I'm looking in on this, but I I keep falling into this like. It's stuff where I'm like, oh, man, I really cared about this in high school. And then part of me is like, I care about this now. Why the fuck do I care about being <laughs> cool now? <laughs> I will never be cool to these people, but I give a shit for some so, reason. So when you go into like uh, like flappers, uh, I don't know. Do you have like a regular room for you? Outside of like uh, Zoom. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Outside of Zoom. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I don't have one I would call. At fourth wall at 10 o'clock, I'm friends with a lot of the people there and they go crazy at 10. So that's kind of, I, I'd say that's the safest place I have if there's a safe place in comedy. But I, what I'm getting at is like when you first walk into a room, maybe a new room, something uh -huh. that, you know, you're trying to develop uh, your presence at least. Are you comfortable at first or do you kind of like get in there and see what's going on and let people approach you? Um, I mean, I'm not comfortable pretty much anywhere. Um, okay. but yeah, but they don't approach me. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, no one approaches me. Well, it's I mean, and I get it also like they're young. I'm the weird old guy who doesn't give a shit about your, you know, that's one thing. Uh, peer pressure doesn't work on me anymore. <laughs> like that's never going to work. And I, I get the feeling people are like, oh God, we're all saying we're, we should have done this. Uh, this guy's saying no to it. Um, I I don't know. Anyway, I'm uncomfortable wherever I am. I'm uncomfortable right now in a Zoom room. Um, so uh, so yeah, I don't know. So there's nowhere for you to go. Yeah, not really. I mean, well, because I mean, you also heard my comedy. I definitely can rub people the wrong way, and the and I don't I don't want to do that. But you know, this is what I you know I like. This is why I'm doing comedy is do the shit that I I want to do. You know, your comedy for me is very dark. And it's abstract and it's like, it's like, okay, well, I didn't think of this. But knowing that you were doing horror stuff, it kind of makes a little more sense now. Oh, I mean, if I had to explain the laugh I'm going for in, in my comedy, you ever watching a horror movie and something just so ridiculous and insane happens that you shouldn't laugh at, but you're laughing hysterically oh, yeah. at it because it logic, I mean, it makes some logical sense in the world that they're presenting you to. That's the, like, I want the laugh you shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, I love the awkward laugh and the subtle humor and awkward laughs are probably my favorite things. They don't always translate into my material. Because uh -huh. like, like I did it, I actually did a, a live show last night and I told you the joke before and it's something like, well, I know exactly what it is, but it's talking about my dad being a trumpet player and how no trumpet player is ever cool unless he's a black guy 
with a drug problem. And it's for me, that's an obvious reference to Miles Davis mm-hmm. and the cool jazz. Nobody, I had to say Miles Davis. And people are like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. I'm like, you know, I didn't think that was too subtle, but I'm like, okay, not that I'm smarter than the yeah. crowd and Corning, but like, that's funny to me, not always to everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, jazz is kind of a, I mean, how many people are into jazz? Oh, no. My parents are both musicians. My dad likes jazz. My mom can't stand it. So even in a musician household, it's 50-50. Yeah, you got to flip of a coin. Um, Yeah, but Miles Day, I mean, and I'm stupid with music to be, I can't believe I knew Bowling for Soup. Uh, I just, (laughs) I just know. To be fair, not a whole lot of people do. (laughs) But uh, Miles Davis and jazz and drugs, I feel like kind of go together. When I hear jazz, like Charlie Parker or something like that, like the stories behind it are heroin, cocaine. Like they just came along with, you know, Harlem in Brooklyn in the 60s and 70s. So if it's not, if it's not drug use, it's uh, womenizing or, you know, mafia entanglement or some something like that. Some some nefarious behind the scenes stuff. So jazz has never been completely clean. Maybe that's it. It's because people don't listen to it or know anything about it. It's gotten this kind of like classical music feel. And so you associate like erudite people or, you know, people that are smart. Um, I can use the word erudite correctly. Uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, but you know what? I don't think uh, I did use it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. The last big pop culture persona that I think really brought jazz to the forefront was Bill Cosby. So, like every every there's a Simpsons joke with it. It's like a uh, Bill Cosby was introducing his you know father-in-law, another grandpa who was a jazz musician, and on the Simpsons they're like, we already have six grandpas who are in jazz, but like. Like every it seemed like every other episode he included some jazz uh musician like dizzy gillespie was on there and it's like okay well here we go here's another one it was just he used that show to get money uh rape women and introduce <laughs> jazz so three wholesome activities for america i didn't associate him with jazz till right i wasn't a fan of bill cosby like and way like even as a child i was like Ugh. What about his recent work? Yeah, well, his recent work, he just got me into him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those rare, rare people whose later work is what I'm really into. Right. It, it's like a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, but yeah, I guess, wasn't it, I guess that is exactly what, because I don't, isn't that the, you're talking about the opening credits, right? For is what, the jazz? Simpsons? No, not the Simpsons, the, uh, oh, the Cosby, Cosby show. show. Yeah, but through, throughout the series, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm probably off, but I'm going to say 10% of the episodes had him scatting or, you know what that is, right? Not shitting. Yeah. Okay, so like, I know, yeah. when I hear That's scat, a, I think shit. Yeah, he switched yeah. to scat. <laughs> well, maybe now. So who knows? He's got lots of free time to pick up new activities. So who knows? He might be, <laughs> might be scatting all over the jail. But, but no, like, he, they went to a, a club and saw jazz. They had Dizzy Gillespie over for gumbo or whatever. Like there was something. But yeah, every I think every credit had some sort of jazz rendition of, or classical music. Uh, I actually yeah. have, I've got all, I think, eight seasons of The Cosmic Show on my shelf. So uh, yeah, we can watch them later if you want. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I wasn't into TV till way, Six Feet Under was the first time I ever saw TV as like something I wanted to watch. What? Was that a crime show or a, like detective show? Because I never saw mm-hmm. it. No, it's a, I mean, it's a good show. It was, uh, 
what's his name? Alan Ball, the guy who did American Beauty, which I'm actually, I'm not a fan of that, but uh, it's a family that lives in a, uh, a mortuary. Oh, okay. And just their travails. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you got all the good words today. Um, yeah, yeah. That one I actually worked, used correctly, I think. <laughs> but, the, but, but right then I couldn't use used. <laughs> you know, so my first date, the first date I ever went on, this woman and I, I liked her a lot. We went to see American Beauty. So oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember how it starts, mm-hmm. but it starts with Kevin Spacey jerking off in the shower. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm probably 16 years old, maybe 17. I, I don't even know how to hold this woman's hand. And already we're watching some dude jerk off in the shower. And I'm like, well, okay. This, I, did not, I did not get a kiss on the first date. And I'm like, you know, that's probably better. I, I had a better chance of scoring with a bag. <laughs> it, was, it, was not, it was not my evening. With the bag. Hey. It got around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great date. I, I, all I can think of is Requiem for a Dream would have been worse. Yeah? Uh, that, yeah, that, that's not exactly a wholesome flick. Yeah, no, not... I, I I sent that to my mom when it first came out because that's a great movie, but you could oh, only like. But yeah. why did you did you not want to talk to her ever again? Exactly. No. Um. I, at the time, I still thought she could appreciate art without not, which is just stupid. Um. And she called me up because the ass the ass to ass scene. Yeah. And she calls me up and goes, I didn't even know that that was a thing. And you put that in my brain. I hate you for that. But that's the, like, isn't that one of the last scenes in the movie? Yeah, she sat through the whole thing. So good for her. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. But she did not like, she didn't, I mean, she sat through it because of me, because I recommended it. But uh, I, I don't do that anymore. Although, I'm not sure there's another movie that I think is worse. What's weird, because she's a sweet little... Have you seen Bubba Hotep? No. It's it's uh, it's Bruce Campbell. The basic concept is Elvis is alive and JFK is alive, but he's been put in the uh, but they've done surgery to him, so he's a black man now. And it's played by Ozzie Davis and uh, Bruce Campbell's Elvis, and they're in an old folks' home, and a redneck mummy comes and is sucking people's souls out of their assholes. And uh, I recommended that movie to my mom and dad, and before I had seen it. And just like, cause I knew my dad likes Bruce Campbell. He likes the army of darkness stuff. So I, you know, it has the same kind of tone. So I, I sent him that. They fucking loved it. And the first line of that movie is Elvis going, uh, I was dreaming that I had a blister on the end of my dick and I popped it by jerking off. <laughs> and they fucking loved that movie. <laughs> That story tells me everything I need to know about your personality. <laughs> I mean, if you like that kind of stuff, it's a great movie. I, I do recommend it. I'll, t- I'll check it out. I'm trying to think the movies that I've seen with my parents. I don't think I've seen a sex scene with my parents. Like, nothing like that. We, we just don't. My dad and I will watch baseball movies. You know, if For Love of the Game comes on HBO, we'll watch it a little bit. But that's really it. Thank God. I remember walking down to my, or going downstairs, I saw my dad, I think he was asleep, and there was softcore porn on. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go upstairs now. <laughs> like, we don't, we, don't need to, we don't need to wander around here and see what's happening. I uh, don't, my family, the closest thing my dad had to porn was Animal House uh, on VHS. I mean, he had Animal House hidden like it was porn in the house. I don't think my mom knows what her clit is. 
Quite, and not because from like a gross, like, oh, I'm her son. I mean, like, there's logical reasons me and my brother think just from conversations and stuff, which is an impossible thing to deal with because I don't want her to die without knowing what it is, but I'm never going to have that conversation. Well, do you think your dad knows what it is? Uh, no, definitely not. Doesn't know okay. <laughs> then I say leave it go. Just Let like, him go and whatever. <laughs> you have one brother? Yeah, I have one brother. And they're, I, they're too old to be fucking... Nah, right. Okay, they're, good. Yeah. They've got everything they want out of that relationship, <laughs> whatever. You know, they don't need to have sex anymore. They don't yeah. need the pleasure, whatever. She could just watch Rec Room for a Dream again and yeah. maybe for one day. <laughs> I, I hope she didn't like try that. Oh, maybe that's how I'll get off. <laughs> <laughs> that or the heroin. Either way. That or the heroin. <laughs> she really got into uh, speed after that. She's just like the old lady. <laughs> What were you doing in with horror? Were you directing, uh, writing? Oh, no, just writing. Uh, I okay. did some films, short films. I did a couple series online. Just, you know, anything you can do. And then I think comedy is my midlife crisis because that part of my life was just starting to really take off. And, and I quit it for, for this. Uh, I quit it because I like getting kicked in the soul, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say any regrets, but that says oh, it all. Yeah. I mean, obviously not because I'm doing it. Um, there's something about it that I enjoy, but, uh, oh, absolutely. It was a stupid move for logical reasons. I mean, a midlife crisis, first of all, is supposed to make you feel good. You should get like a car or some shit, not go hang out with, you know, teenagers, basically. <laughs> is that pretty much what it is? Like, I mean, I, obviously you're, you're exaggerating a little bit, but what's the age median? Like, like, are there just a, a whole lot of, is there a gap there? Like, oh, do we just have really young kids and older people? It's under 30. I mean, that's 80, 90% of the people who've also been doing it longer, comedy longer than I have. So it's this weird, like, you're a kid and I have to ask you for advice. Yeah, no, it's definitely young people. Well, because the older people have are doing things better than open mics and shitty shows. Um, then, or, or they quit. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Yes, there's only I rarely meet people that are my age. Like I, I rarely meet people over 35. I'd say the median age is probably 25. Yeah, I think up here, it's probably around there. Actually, maybe lower 30s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I a lot of people I interview on this show are Yeah, I would say about I don't know. I don't know. Like I would say between 26 and, and 38. Like somewhere around there. Um, well, that's older than than L.A. Then, like it, it's the average is not over thirty. It's definitely not that. I I I'd put twenty five. Kind of. I think that's a safe bet. Um, it might even be younger, but yeah, it's definitely under thirty. Maybe because they had their midlife crises and went on to something happy. <laughs> I don't care how old they are. They are not to midlife. There's a lot of shit. I'm like, you haven't figured this out yet. I mean, it took, I was, I was slow on a lot of things. And I mean, it's an age generate. It's just a generation gap. I don't understand insults anymore. So it's hard for me. Like I get people pissed off and they're insulting me. And I know I'm supposed to be like hurt or like intimidated. And I'm just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I'm fairly sure you're making fun of my clothes, but <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you know what the the insult that bothered me the most? Probably about ten years ago, I made fun of somebody, and they turned around and looked at me. And says, "How many Twitter followers do you have?" And I said, "You are fucking stupid." <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't realize society has had devolved into that mess. It's awful. Like, who gives a shit? Uh, people. Um, they, you know, they do. That's the problem with it is I'm like, I know I'm supposed to care about this and should do something, but I just, I mean, mine has a lot to do with my looks, which is fine. Like, I mean, and I, I've been a bully, so I'm very much okay to be bullied with. I think it's fair in the circle of life or whatever. I like to think I was I was a better bully, had better reasons. Than <laughs> I, oh, this guy's face looks weird. Um, but but yeah, it's and I have to hear the same insults over and over. And you know, I I, I laugh along. Hey, good one, duh. and I, I, I so I just it's me pretending that they're doing a good job. Like I've heard Beetlejuice three times in the last week from people that don't know me. I'm surprised they know that movie. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I think most of the roasting and stuff, it's all the same joke, just with a thesaurus. Uh, like, if you go watch the the Dean Martin roasting, um, oh, shit, I'm going to sound racist. Who's the black Rat Pack guy with no eye? Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. You see the roast of Sammy Davis Jr., and it is the exact same jokes you're hearing today. Just, you know, slightly different. And I'm just not, and I suck at roasting. Like, if I'm going to insult you, I want to cut your soul. Uh, Like, I want to talk about the type of person you are, not your clothes. Or I just don't get it. Like, we made, I mean, you know, we we fucked with each other over doing stupid things, not looking stupid. Yeah, Uh, I think there's, I think it's more creative. When I'm doing a roast, I I found that the most effective (laughs) jokes in that roast are stuff that can be applied to me as well. Yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll try to write. And you're lighting up another cigarette. You're, you're waiting for that drone. I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I always like it when I can create a roast joke that'll work on my buddy Phil and also me. So maybe if it goes well, I can take that into my set, you know, and I'm like, okay, I didn't just write it for a throwaway line and a roast battle. I'm probably going to lose. Now I've got it to, you know, give me that six bucks I wanted to show. Yeah. See, that's the exact reason I'm not a fan of the roast is that they're not specific. It's so many of them. I'm like, well, you could say that to anybody. Yeah. And I mean, but you're correct. That's the right way to do it. Cause I did a couple of the roasts and lost miserably on them because the audience doesn't know this person. See, I like, you know, I can't talk about their parents, which is what I did. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I don't know. I just don't get it. And, and I'm not good at it either. So it's not like, I'm not dissing something I know how to do. Like if if I knew how to do it, then I probably would think it's great. There's a lot of skill that goes into a roast and you've got to know how to write for it. Uh, know how to take a joke and you're you're writing with the intention of hurting feelings but yeah. not ruining a friendship so like there's a delicate balance and you don't want to turn off the audience like you, you got to touch that line where okay is this too far is it not too far can i pull it back and you can't look like you've got your feelings hurt on stage either yeah i get i mean not both times i did it the second time i did it and then this happens to me it just happened to me at an open mic where the the judge you know how it usually works you come up, you roast each other, and then the judges or whatever fuck with both of you and stuff. Like, 
I get on stage and all the judges now have to get their face jokes out before the other guy is even on stage. So I've spent five minutes just getting fucking roasted by these strangers and shit for no reason. And then I got to try to win the audience back after they've shit all over me. <laughs> and seems, their jokes aren't seems, good either. It seems so counterproductive because if mm-hmm. they're taking shots first, they're taking material away from the guy you're going against. Exactly. It's my face. These They think that they're going to say something original about it. And so they got to get it out. They want to get their joke out. And uh, I mean, just I'm getting on an open mic online and there was a couple of hosts on it. And I mean, I have just come onto the screen and this guy spends a couple minutes shitting on me. And it's all the jokes. They suck, but he thinks he's so original. (laughs) I just have to sit there and take it. And then he fucking interrupted me throughout my set to throw in. I mean, he sucked. The open mic host on Zoom was heckling you. Yes. For Uh, what fucking purpose? To be cool. I mean, I don't know his heart, but that would be my guess was, well, I mean, because some of the, there was other hosts on it and they were on board with him doing it. They weren't heckling me during the set, but they were definitely, because they're, you know, you get some laughs and you want to keep going with it. My feeling is at least learn my name before (laughs) you start shitting on me. Like I can take it and don't give a fuck. I'll pretend you're hilarious, but learn my fucking name. This guy also had the fucking temerity. Look at me. I got all types of Lord. Um, to of all the of all the things I expected to learn from you, it wasn't that you knew three and four syllable words. I'm impressed. I read a lot. After doing that, I finished my set. He starts giving me notes, and his note is because I called my mom a pussy. You've heard the shot my mom in the face story, and yeah. when I that's, I called that's one of your that's one of your more wholesome bits. Yeah, one of my more wholesome bits, and and he was shocked that I you know I wasn't raised that way. To, to say things about my mom. I'm like, well, I wasn't raised to shit on people before I know their fucking name. Uh, I feel like my mom did a better job. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call her a pussy all day. You go be a dick. Was he younger? Like a lot younger? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, okay. Probably, though. I'd guess he's uh, 25 at the oldest. But I wonder if that's just a, a mentality, like a mature mentality. Like, like okay, we're going to, you can talk shit all about my act after I'm finished. But like, who, I, I just can't get over it. Like, I host so many things. I can't get over the fact that this person was heckling you during your set. Like, oh, it, it's not your fucking job. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, and not to single this guy out. This is not the first time it's happened. This is just, I think it's the first time it's really happened on Zoom. Um, And it's this mic that I swear it happens every fucking time. I get on this mic. I have to sit there for a minute and listen to their fucking bullshit. And they usually don't interrupt me during my set, but I definitely have to like get shit on by them. And that's part of my act also is me shitting on myself so you can come along with my dirty ass stuff. Because you got to know I I think I'm the worst. And so now you've done it for a minute and, you know, me doing 30 seconds of that to get it to sound seems stupid to me. So I jump right into pedophilia, which is just not good. I, I need to, <laughs> I, I need to make you let, let you know that I know I am not cool, nor am I a good person. <laughs> How do you usually start a set? Like, like pretend we're back out on, on a real stage. Do you yeah. start with your darkest material or like a pedophilia joke to let the audience know what they're in for? No, I mean, the real secret for my stuff is I have to make fun of my 
face right off okay. the bat. And it, they need to know that I, because most people go up and they do think they're the hero. So I understand because I hear people do jokes similar to mine, but they're coming off like, I'm good for thinking this, which is not the way to do it. They So like, uh, you know, I got a bit about uh, catch a predator and stuff. And I'll start that with, you know, like, oh, you might recognize me from uh, the from an old reality game show to catch a predator. I was on the first and third season. And just to ease you in, like, I guess I'll do, uh, contrary to my opinion or to my appearance, I'm against bestiality. Or I'll just do 10 minutes or, you know, not 10 minutes, but, you know, a couple minutes of just, I look like, like, I hate doing it because it's all cheap ass, easy stuff, but it's definitely something I need. I've discovered that's an important part of my act is, hey, (laughs) I'm a creep. Come along (laughs) with me on this. Um, It's it's okay to laugh at me. (laughs) If you couldn't tell already, I've got body parts in my car. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I have to address it. And, you know, I've just like those two allow me to do it real quick and then to get into the actual set. Cause when I first started, I mean, I would spend a minute on my face and I look like my dad who has cancer and just stupid shit. But now I, I, think- I just try to make, I guess my opening is whatever joke I want to do. I have to figure out a way to start it off with making fun of myself. I'm a big Carlin fan, and yeah. I think I think I tr- I don't know if I do it now, probably, but I wanted to get to the level, and I still do want to get to the level where I can just have a one-liner that cuts so deep and dark that I can convince everybody, okay, you're on my side, let's go. Yeah. Like he would always come out with this one-liner. If you look at a lot of his set, a lot of his hours, you know, it's like you ever notice the people who are against abortion are the people you don't want to fuck anyways. Yeah, that was an opening line. It's like holy shit, we're good. Like, That's a good point. I I haven't really watched comedy or listened to it since I started doing comedy. No shit. Uh, so yeah, I, is that to keep your mind clear? Uh, I was at first for the. I just I'd rather accidentally write someone's joke than have it. I've been in my brain and, uh, and then I go, oh shit, that's where it came from. Um, which I, I guess I don't know. I'm just, I have not really interested in it. I'll watch people that are just exponentially better than I'll ever be. But even them, I've, I think Patton Oswalt's the only one I've watched since I started doing comedy. I know, uh, Doug Stanhope was the last comic I saw before I started doing comedy. Yeah. I would, I would think that Doug Stanhope would be one of your favorites. He, he's one of the reasons I did it. I started doing okay. comedy because I saw like, oh, if this guy can find a, a group of people, like th- there's got to be a group of people that's into my shit. Yeah. Uh, and Doug Stanhope, to me, like I, I've read his book or one of his books. I forget which one, but one of them. And he has, to me, what seems like a cult following. And like, yeah. like much like Carlin, although Carlin was, you know, on a bigger stage, Stanhope could say whatever he wants and he would get everybody to agree. Like, I think he could run for mayor or governor of Arizona. I yeah. think it's Bisbee. Is it? Is it's that Bisbee. I was where I saw his last show was okay. in Bisbee. So yeah, so but that's Arizona, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. For some reason I thought New Mexico, but yeah, it didn't seem right. But Wait, he could Yeah. Now I'm he could confused. probably Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but he could probably run for mayor of Bisbee and everybody would vote for him. Like it seems like like he will not say anything where you know it won't go viral. It like if he's really got a point, he's yeah. gonna hammer it home 
and make you make you say, oh, you know what? I'll be damned. You know, I, I can come around to his his way of thinking. Oh, philosophically, me and him definitely. I mean, he's one I don't watch because I don't want. I think he's the one I could easily just slide into being like. And he's also. It sucks if someone comes up to you and goes like, "Yo, you remind me of so and so." Um, because I don't want to remind you of anybody. And I, I feel like I've been pretty lucky not being compared to him by people. He's the one I'm most worried of someone going, oh, you're like, I've only had one person tell me that. I've had a couple people say I dress like him, which I, I kind of get. I wear corduroy jacket and, and stuff, but it's all I just, that's just how I fucking dress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like when I, when I started doing comedy, I always wore a tie for shows. Yeah. And part of that was I had a joke where, you know, it was like, if this show doesn't go well, I'm one step closer to hanging myself. So like, nice. and that, that line always works. I'm like, okay, well, it's worth the tie. But I also like to, you know, kind of separate myself from the pack of people who wore, you know, funny t-shirts or yeah. a hat and whatever. Well, I mean, the reason I wear the corduroy jacket, comedy is one of the first things that I made me start thinking about where I wear. Because in reality, when I'm just out, I'm in pajama bottoms or sweatpants and I carry a purse um, just because I like it. And I don't do that. on. I don't want you to think that's part of my act. And not just how I am. Like if right. I became famous enough to where people were coming and they know who I am, then I'll wear my purse and how I, because then I don't have to address it and stuff. But I'll, when I first started, it would be something like, well, you dress like shit. And like, yeah, well, that's just how I dress. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to tell jokes about it. Yeah. Uh, like I, I have always worn and I catch shit for every once in a while, rightfully so. But I still wear cargo pants. And it's all I know anymore. Like, I mean, I put on cargo pants, by the way, for the first time in three months because I went outside and did a show, like an actual show. And one, they fit, which was a fucking minor miracle. And two, I was like, oh my God, these are real pants? But they're real pants nobody's worn in like six years. But that's so much of my personal style now, where it's like a punk rock t-shirt and uh, maybe a hoodie and cargo pants. And I've been wearing the same fucking uniform since I was in high school. So I don't oh, know dude. if I can ever change that. It's just a, we didn't, I mean, we didn't grow up when clothes were so important. Like, I fucking blame Courtney Love for killing Kurt Cobain for where we're at. If grunge had could have stuck around for a little bit longer, then bling wouldn't have fucking happened. Like, Kanye West is a direct result of Kurt Cobain dying. And no, I don't believe she killed him. I'm, it's just a joke. Uh, <laughs> I've never it. heard that theory in... Uh... I think it's safe to say I'll never hear it from anybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, 1994, a lot of fucked up shit happened that year. I, I think that's where the trajectory to Donald Trump happened. It's the metaphor of fucking uh, Forrest Gump beat Shawshank Redemption that year. And yeah. it's this moron who's, you know, a, a photo bomber uh, over a guy who worked fucking hard to get justice and shit. And I think that's where we became fucking, I mean, we, I don't really think that, but <laughs> life is much but, more complicated. But, but you do. But I kind of <laughs> do. <laughs> I was 12 years old in 19, or I was 11 years old in 1994. The baseball, they went on strike. Oh, um, but I, I know, I just know, like, you know, when I think 1994, I automatically think about movies and like, like yeah. what a monster year it was. You had Pulp, by the way, Forrest Gump beat up Pulp Fiction as well. Yeah. And uh, Dumb and Dumber, which is never going to win anything, but Dumb and Dumber was there. Ace Ventura, uh, The Mask. So Jim Carrey had a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Major League Two, which was no 
theatrical masterpiece, but I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. D2, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, God damn, you I mean, know who, your movie who, years. Well, who could forget Three Ninjas? So, uh, I mean, no, no one. I, mean, I'm watching, I have it on in the background right now. <laughs> I, think two, I think two of those ninjas forgot about it, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but no, it, it was the monster year in Lion King, obviously. Yeah. So it's huge. But 94 was a great year. Uh, is that when Cobain died in 94? That's when Cobain, that's also oh. when OJ got away with murder. Yep. Um, and... Uh, Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House, which led to the repeal of Glass-Steagall. Um, the New York New York Knicks had a good team. It, everything was topsy-turvy. It's really strange here. Yeah, it, it was. That's the... That's yeah. See, actually, I do really think it now. This is true. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on on writing about this. <laughs> I uh, I noticed in the background you've got a no effects poster. Do I turn around? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just no effects, <laughs> right. but uh, but yeah, no effects is my favorite band. No fucking way. I didn't know that. Yeah, like I mean, I I love them. Also, just because their music kind of like mirrors my life, where it, it starts off fuck everything, it's stupid, and then by now it's like okay, hold on, guys. We should probably care about a couple things. Yeah, like <laughs> like, like Go Fun. America came out. And it's like okay, all right, yeah. we, we we put out our our art of this guy jerking off a sheep. Now we're gonna focus on the democratic election. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah no, I really I Fat Mike wrote a musical. Yeah, it's great. Um, it, it, I, it, I saw it. Oh, no shit. Up in San Francisco or did they bring it down to L.A.? I did. No, it was just in San Francisco for a weekend. And I went and saw it with my buddy. And I mean, it's fucking amazing. Fat Mike was there. But like I was saying, I don't know bands. That's my favorite band ever. My buddy goes, hey, Fat Mike's over there. I'm like, oh, which guy is he? He's like, he's in the next seat to you with the mohawk. The peak <laughs> mohawk. <laughs> it was great. They did Q&A after him. I watched him get a over-the-pants hand job from his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Was that Home Street Home? Home Street Home, yeah. yeah. And it, it, I've listened to that soundtrack probably 30 times. Oh, they had, yeah. So was Tony Sly from No Use for Name there? Because he, he sang, uh, he was the daddy on uh, whatever, uh, I forget her name now. But he he had the daddy's voice. Um, yeah, Suicide is the character you're thinking of. But uh, I don't remember, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, even, wow. I can't, I know a couple, I mean, they didn't do all the songs. Like, they didn't do, it didn't have the fecal alcoholic, yeah. fecal alcoholic syndrome. And I think it's because the guy that it's written about was there. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, it's the brother of his porn star girlfriend that wrote it with him. <laughs> yeah, Soma. I think they yeah. broke up recently. Oh, did they? I, yeah, not, not that it matters. But. Yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't keep up with the... I know your songs. I, I can, I'm good with lyrics, and that's about it. I got into No Effects probably around 1997 or 8. Yeah. And holy shit. I, uh, no, I know it, it was 99, because I, I was listening to them on we we took like a band trip to florida and i just gotten i heard they suck live and thank god for all the shoes for christmas yeah so i was listening to them down there man they were so i mean they still are really good and they're putting out quality stuff but they're they're probably in my top five bands uh, yeah. i would say easily top five uh though it, it does you know the list does change every once in a while but it's no effects is i have a buddy we call him fat mike uh you know thank yeah. god you know he was way heavier than I was at that age. Otherwise, I would have developed into that. But, man, yeah, but yeah, we had Fat Fat Mike and my buddy. His nickname in college is El Jefe because his name's oh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Right on. 
I don't know, they hit like all the marks that I want in music. They make me laugh. They make me think. Because the actual, like the the music part, I don't get of any band. Like I care, lyrics are all I care about. Like I get that Radiohead is talented, but I don't like them. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't see the appeal. Yeah, and, it's, and I don't know them well. I, I I don't think I could tell the difference between them and Coldplay right now. Like if you played a song, I would probably get them confused. <laughs> All right, that's terrible. I don't think I'd do that. <laughs> no, I, no, but I just don't. I don't know either of those bands well enough to say, yeah. oh, that's that song. I know they're both popular and probably very good, and their jokes and or Coldplay is probably that's the bigger joke of the two. Like I don't. Well, it, I, see, radio, I don't think they're as good. I think radio. Radiohead, I can tell like, oh, that was hard to do on your guitar. Whereas Coldplay, I'm like, I, you know, you're, they're the America's Got Talent. Where yeah, it's well, just, yeah. Well, that's, but that's that's all on my ignorance to, to either of them. Because I I, when I got into punk rock, I basically, I listened to punk and classic rock and really not anything else. Like I'd have like, you know, I do have a Toad the Wet Sprocket CD because I was <laughs> around in the 90s. Oh, yeah. But you know, I think that was when we hit like 1995 and Friends came around. Everybody was handed a Toad the Wet Sprocket CD. Like that's <laughs> that's just how life was. <laughs> that's the closest we're gonna get to complete socialism. Like, okay, yeah. here's here's your toad, here's your Toad, here's your Toad. <laughs> but no, I I don't know any Radiohead songs. And uh, one of them's Radiohead saying "Creep," right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So, but that, and I probably know other songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know they're by Radiohead. I don't know what songs are by Coldplay. Couldn't pick them out. So they might sound alike. They might sound different. I have no idea. There's a lot of songs that my first ver- like is Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. And then I hear the real version. Yeah. Uh, when, he, when he came out with Bad Hair Day, that was like <laughs> the first introduction I had to a complete Weird Al CD. And then I'm like, oh, this song, this song. And he had one of those, uh, the, the medleys at the yeah. very end, which yeah. was great. I mean, I think on that one... I don't I don't remember exactly what events, but I think it was like all of these like nineties pop songs. Oh yeah, he does that on every album. Yeah, okay. And but I'll hear I, them first on his medley and then and then I'll hear the oh oh yeah, this I know the lyrics to this, just the polka version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what, what's it called? It's polka something. He changes it on each one. Like okay. it's polka rama on one. Uh, okay, okay. I know for sure. Just because I was recently listening to the first two like cassette tapes I got on my little Fisher Price were Weird Al and The Doors. Uh, that's what my dad gave wow. me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of two bands and artists that are diff- more different than Weird Al and The Doors. Well, here's what it was. I guarantee he went and goes, oh, I know the good, I know the Doors. And then he went up to someone and goes, yo, what, what a little, what a little kid's by. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they right. just handed him a Weird Al tape. <laughs> he didn't know who Weird Al is. I remember traumatizing my brother. Like, like so many of these podcasts have included stories about how my brother and I don't talk to each other and this is the reason why there are 6,000 reasons why that asshole should never talk to me again like <laughs> I deserve everything but it was around Christmas time and he might have been six or seven and he's still I think he still believed in Santa and maybe he was a little bit out of that but I played the night Santa went crazy off of that bad hair album and you know that whole thing it's a great video but it's it's Santa going postal on the elves and everybody he is killing everybody and we my friends and I but, but me specifically I played that on repeat for my brother who thought it was funny but like you could tell like a little bit of his childhood died every time I played 
So I, it was, it was, that was a, a holiday tradition I'll never trade. <laughs> yeah, I could sing you the lyrics to that song right now. I, I remember like every song I ever knew. That's one of the things I think is magical about lyrics is that I don't remember shit I've written and lyrics that I haven't, you know, I'll, I could sing you every like Disney song from my childhood. It's just, I don't know, it just sticks in my shit. But then I'll get a call from someone and I recently had one. And he was like, yeah, you know, can I show a God worshipers to someone? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. what's that? Was that one of your scripts? And he goes, no, you wrote that yet, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I'll forget that shit but I can I can quote I can do a lot of George Carlin also because that was I that's what I fell asleep to all through middle school was George Carlin yeah I, I I would fall asleep to movies and TV shows like I still fall asleep to like it's always sunny or yeah. you know well, it was Cougar Town until a couple days ago but I finished that uh, <laughs> but like I generally don't fall asleep to TV shows that I haven't memorized already yeah but because my I can just close my eyes and picture them. But yeah, I, I have to do that. I didn't really do that with, I would do that with music, but not comedy albums. But Carlin's albums were a, a standard for me. Oh, I mean, I know, I don't eat sliced tomatoes still to this day because of George Carlin. Yeah. Because, you know, his bit about they don't look right. And they don't. I know he affected me probably more than my parents did growing up. If I have moldy food in my house, I always think meat cake. <laughs> like, like, just, just such a like a throwaway joke, and it's like okay, like you're never gonna remember meat cake as like oh yeah, George Carlin meat cake. Like that's not it. Like you think of you know uh, you know I kind of like it when a lot of people die. Like that these huge yeah. bits. Uh, for me, it's uh, Mickey Mouse's birthday, but meat cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think one of the perfect lines ever written by a comedian is uh, I wouldn't fuck her with a stolen dick, which is Carlin. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one of the greatest lines. It sums up everything in it. It's perfectly worded. And that's another reason why I, I don't like, I don't feel like you can beat that line in a row. No, I, I'm watching, uh, I just finished watching a documentary on the Golden State Killer, and uh, which, you know, he was a very popular guy at one point. Uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't have a lot of fans. Like, you know what the sick part is? He probably did. Um, <laughs> yeah. But all I could think about was Carlin's line, like, like when a rapist leaves the house, does he leave the house with an erection or does he get it on the way? Like, like that, but like that kind of thoughtful logic, like that logical thought. It's like, yeah. yeah, why or when does one get an erection on the way to a rape? It's weird. Like, like, oh, that's because it's, it's like, it, obviously he got one. Yeah. But it's like the process. And it's like, yeah, I would never have thought about that without Carlin. I mean, that we were talking about the kind of comedy I like and how it goes along with order. And the key to all of that is logic. If it doesn't add up in the end, like that's what I'd rather you tell me I'm a piece of shit than tell you, tell me that my jokes are illogical because they're not. I mean, that's also because I have a degree in philosophy. So my, I just have to think that way. Like to me, it, what a joke is, is telling you something logical and giving you an answer to that, that you were not expecting. Right. Like it's, it's a surprise answer. It's me making you think something that you never thought you'd think before, but you can't, you know, help it. I go, yeah, you know, if you're going to jerk off to catch a predator, you use your left hand because it feels more inexperienced. Yeah. That's, right. that's terrible, right. but it's, it's, it's logical. 
<laughs> you can't deny my logic in that. No, it's like you could trace back. Yeah, well, I like I like fourteen year old girls. And I, by the way, I hope I hope this this podcast goes viral, and it's only that clip because that's perfect. <laughs> Not saying that thirteen year old girls are bad, but. <laughs> It's gonna bury my. I like the idea that you'll have two groups of people: one pissed off that you're molesting children, and the other one like, "Why are you talking shit about the? Why are you age shaming them?" (laughs) Listen, thirteen-year-old girls are just as talented (laughs) as the fourteen-year-old girls. (laughs) So what? Twelve-year-old girls can't get molested? Come on, guys! Like I I have enough time in the day. This, this is not going to go well for me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's uh, a lot of times it's it, it, people just hear a word. It's the content instead of the context. And the yeah. context is what's important. Like, I, you know, I've had people, I have a bit that's all pro gay, right? I'm literally telling you. I want to be gay <laughs> in this bit. Everything about it is how much better gay people are. But I've had people come up to me and be like, yeah, that's really homophobic. I'm like, because I mentioned gay people. Did you not listen to every fucking sentence involved in that? Uh, I Yeah, I said queer, but that's, you know, it doesn't matter. The, in fact, Patton Oswald, because this is a subject I'd love to do is context versus content. But I did watch the Patton Oswald right after his wife yeah, died. Yeah, annihilated. And he has a bit in it where if you, you know, who cares about this? If a politician comes up and is like, let's get all the black folk equal pay. And, you know, I mean, he does it racist and I won't do it on the, on out loud to ruin your, your mic and stuff. But listen, yeah, if- listen, I just, <laughs> I just either molested or advocated for it or denigrated three age groups of women. So <laughs> I think, I think this podcast is fucked. So sully <laughs> it up. Well, it's like if it, Donald Trump could talk exactly like he is, if, during that conversation, he was saying, we need police reform. Like, he could right. be like, Nazis are great. They're okay. They're going to help us get this police reform. And we, yeah, good. Get that police reform. I'm sorry you talk about all that other shit, but that other part's import, more important than... Right. Like, we're going to we're gonna defund the police and reallocate that money toward the Nazi party. Yeah. Well, or, well, you know, we're okay. going to defund the police because of how they're treating the colored folk. And like, you know, okay, yeah, you he's doing a good, I mean, not, Trump is not doing a good thing. Yeah, and this, yeah, that's why, you can tell, you can clip all the pedophilia shit and make me look horrible, <laughs> but don't anybody make it seem like I like Donald Trump. <laughs> I noticed that you do have an autographed picture of his book. <laughs> it's very weird that you would have a picture of a book, but it's got his autograph, so I understand. It's right next to the fat. It's right next to the no effects poster, which boggles my mind. Boggles my mind. You know, um, do you remember American Idiot, the Green Day musical? Yeah, I mean, there I was didn't like a, see it, but yeah. it was really good. Uh, but I saw it on Broadway and off Broadway, and believe it or not, the on Broadway one was better. <laughs> but there's like a a video, like a behind the scenes, like or a making of that, and Donald Trump is filmed coming out of the theater, and Billy Joe Armstrong, singer Green Day, is like, "What the fuck is he doing there?" 
Like, this is a fucking about him. Yeah. Like, like, fuck him. And this is way before, you know, he had political aspirations or, you know, yeah. current political aspirations. Yeah. He uh, Mr. Magooed yeah. his way into that. I don't know if he oh, has aspirations yeah. at all. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if he second acted it. Like, like he waited and then just snuck in after, this, after the intermission. That would be classic. I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah I, I'm, I can't believe he can sit through a play. I, I oh, think no. he went there just for that picture. Oh, Although, without a doubt. Green Day, like Blink-182 killed punk rock, but they wouldn't have happened without Green Day. Uh, no. No, I, and I disagree with you. I don't think Blink killed – first, I don't think punk rock is dead. I think it, oh, it yeah. went more mainstream and, and there's more corporatization. So I don't think like yeah. no. totally like, – like uh, my my favorite current band now is the Wonder Years, and like it's the the bumper oh, yeah. music for for my podcast. Uh, oh well, you haven't listened to the oh, podcast, fine. but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you're desperate for them, uh, listen to the first 15 seconds of this podcast <laughs> and the bumper music. It's all the Wonder Years, but they're kind of doing stuff the old school way, and it's like they're not relying on anything. Like I am very surprised that anybody knows of the band. But oh, Blink One Eight Two is so out in front. I mean, they were in movies. I mean, they were in American Pie. Like oh, yeah. the song, and I think it was Mutt was in it was in the movie, and then they were physically in the first movie. So, they, do you remember that at all? Uh, no, it's one of those movies everybody likes that I don't care. About. Oh, okay, well, well, Jim uh, was it was Jim. Uh, he he premature ejaculated twice, uh, and the three I love of those the, guys. The character's name. I just said I don't care for that movie. And you're like, yeah, it was Jim. Well, what actor played him? <laughs> uh, Jason Biggs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. Even think about that i was like i was like, I was like <laughs> here i am trying to think of a witty remark i'm like no that's actually a logical point goddamn, no goddamn philosophy majors <laughs> but no but they're they're cheering for him they're watching and they got a monkey on them which you know is symbolism in itself uh but yeah no i don't think they killed it i think i think certainly they put more an emphasis more of an emphasis on uh, the performance than yeah. the music at a, at a certain point. Well, I mean, and I like, they, they're definitely obviously catchy and stuff. There's kind yeah. of the moment where I feel like so many songs became whining about the girl that left you. Yeah. And there's just more interesting stuff in well, life. Than- even even Blink's latest stuff is like, they have a video, their first I video back that. as a band was centered around high school. And it's like, dude, like you're, you guys are in your 40s. Like it's probably time to grow up. Like like you would never see, I don't think I've ever heard a Pennywise song about a girl. And like, yeah. it's, which is weird. Like, like that probably is the definition of punk rock. It's like taking on the establishment. Uh, I don't think like, but like you got a band like No Effects, they do dip into the, into all the yeah. emotional stuff. And, and uh, Fat Mike was talking about like My Orphan Year was about mm-hmm. his parents just not being there for or his dad not being there for him and him fucking being an asshole to his mom or whatever. Yeah. So, or getting, getting into trouble and she had to bail him out. But yeah, I, I think, I think Blink definitely straight away and they try to come back and whatever, all their personal shit took over anyway. I guess it was when I was in college, it just seemed like the, it's just every fucking song was about like, and no, I'm like, none of you were the asshole. Oh yeah. Like, I just, I remember wanting so bad someone to be like, yeah, I was a dick. <laughs> and, yeah. and she is she like i like old country um okay. old old, I'm, old country is what hip-hop is now where it, it's all about going to jail and killing motherfuckers and it's not like the new country at all which is shit uh, have you heard social distortion i mean obviously oh, yeah. a long time ago probably yeah but like prison bound like that whole yeah. album 
was about him fucking up and trying to kick heroin and not trying to kick heroin. And, yeah. uh, you know, but that's that's where I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's that was my first. I don't know. It's my first when I got into social distortion and I'm not a huge fan, but like yeah. I was like, oh, Mike Ness's story was way more interesting than the band was to me. Yeah, well, that's definitely I'm a huge fan of Penn Jillette. Couldn't give a shit about his show, his magic yeah. show. Him himself is has them. I want him to die just so they can make a movie about his life. <laughs> Uh, he has one of the most insane lives I've ever read. And I, yeah, I want him to, I mean, he's up there with Andy Kaufman of just, who is this fucking person? Uh, he's just done, you know, he, he went and did the, the zero gravity shit with one of the ZZ top guys and his whore girlfriend, uh, like naked. Who the fuck gets to do that? <laughs> yeah. His, no, I- and he doesn't do drugs or drink. That's the other thing is I'm like, th- those are the only ways to get into these scenarios. And, <laughs> and he just, and he just jumps. He's, he's an amazing person. I, I recommend, I read his fucking weight loss book and it's hilarious. I'll, I'll never do weight loss in my life. I don't, I don't give a shit. Uh, but I mean, it was, it's just, he's fucking brilliant. Definitely recommend his books. Do you remember your worst set you've ever done? There's been a shitload. Um, <laughs> Pick out yeah. one. Like, it, I love this question. I, I've asked it to everybody. I think there's a lot of value in hearing these stories for me and, and telling them or whatever. The six bands I have, they like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess what should technically be the worst is my first heckler was the host of the mic, and she had her own microphone also, and she just started yelling out gay. Oh, and I didn't know what to do. I just got off stage. I, I didn't want to argue with this person. In fact, it was, yeah, no one. I was making fun of vaginas. And uh, she, that was, I was like, she's a lesbian. And she was like trying to insult me with gay. I'm like, what, what are you, are you going, uh, you know, you are me. Like, what the, what the <laughs> fuck is the problem? I didn't know what to do. All I did was like apologize. I was like, uh, what did I say? I went, oh, you're absolutely right. Vaginas look like flowers if you've never seen a flower before. And then just walked off stage. So that would have been, ironically, there was a guy in the audience who came up to me and was like, dude, that was such a dick move that you did that. And he's the only person that's ever cut me off on a, in a bit, like just turned on the music. He hosted at Flappers. And, and and he made because he did cut it off where it was. It made me look super racist. <laughs> like there was a point I was getting to, but I had to explain it because it was this. I was trying to tell this story, and it's an impossible story to tell. I watch a lot of prison documentaries, and there was this skinhead guy who they're interviewing, and he's like, you know, they all defend themselves for being terrible, but he goes like, I I didn't go around. I don't, it's not like a go around. I don't say the N word, but he actually, he didn't actually say the N word. He's a redneck that said the N word. And see, this is impossible. Oh, okay. so quoted it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I, and I feel like if, a, if, a, if, if, a, you know, a Nazi is not willing to say the N word, clearly that we've made progress. Like, right, right. Too embarrassed to do that. But to explain that, I have to say the N word so that you understand he literally said anyway. So he, he turned me off. And he, he also came up to me and he was like, oh, you couldn't, you know, you wouldn't have said any of that for, for him. I'm like, you've heard me say fag a million times on stage. Like, I'll say anything on stage because I know I'm not coming from hate. 
Right. And shit. Like you're scared to say stuff if you're coming from a bad place. But I'm, you know, and plus I grew up with black people. Like they, everybody understands mostly the difference between content and context. But the people that yell at you, anyway, I don't say it on stage anymore. Well, I think, uh, I think like if you were established, like if you had a Netflix special, if you yeah. were selling theaters, you could kind of do that. And people, you'd have your fan base where they're like, yeah, we understand. Like, I, my favorite podcast, aside from this one, is uh, Tuesdays of Stories with uh-huh. Mark Norman and Joe List. And I think, and I hope, they're grandfathered into, like, this PC, like, crackdown. And yeah. because, you know, their back episodes, even now, I mean, they're, you mm-hmm. know, oh, this is gay. And, and they're not saying this is gay negatively. They're calling yeah. themselves gay, like, hey, I'm happy I'm gay, or whatever. But, yeah. like, if you were really militant about the way words come across and the words you use, they would be, you know, canceled in a second. But either they're so under the radar still, like that podcast, which I can't believe it is, or it's just accepted that these two are decent people and they're funny enough to let everything slide. Yeah. I mean, most of, I started off doing comedy in mostly black rooms when I first started doing the shows. And I, I said the N-word at the time. And they were on board. It was a good joke. And, right. But I've stopped. I don't do... I just don't tell jokes if... Because sometimes... I mean, that's the only time I ever say the N-word is on in that joke. And, you know, I stopped doing it when I was around white people. Uh, <laughs> it's really what it comes... Like, my, here, my like, number one rule with being offensive is I want that group in the room. Like, I'm not going to do... I'm not going to make fun of a group that's not in the room. Yeah. Because you should have the right to come punch me in the face. And, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's hard. I got a Native American joke. It's hard to make sure they're in the room. But uh, besides that, I... Well, they, I they, they were, were in the room first, but yeah, they we were, took it over. We, 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 yeah, we yeah. kicked them out. My family came over on the Mayflower, and I got a, I got a bit about that. Um, <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> yeah, my mom's side. Uh, no shit. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm apologizing to people in the audience, and, and you know, and if there are any Native Americans in the audience, I'm kidding. Y'all aren't here. We get our shit done in my family. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that on stage one time, and there was a Native American in the audience, and his friend, you know, hey man, he's calling, he's calling your people lazy. So now I'm having to explain. I'm not calling them lazy. I'm saying they're not good at not getting genocided. <laughs> so, so, and, and the Native American guy didn't give a fuck. Uh, right. he, he was on board, but his white buddy was like, "You got to get mad at this." And I'm like, "Well, you can get mad. Just make sure it's for the right reason." <laughs> uh, I do want to ask, like, like we got to wrap up soon, but oh, I, no, I, I did want to ask. Uh, we've been doing that open mic on Zoom for this. This is how I know you and Alex Kane and and a few other people, and I, I like doing it. Uh, despite knowing you, and, <laughs> and uh, but you mentioned that you were you stabbed at one point. No, I've shot. Never, I shot my mom in the face by oh, accident. Can, can you tell that story? Okay. Um, see, it's one of those stories that's hard now because it's a bit, and I don't want to okay. talk to a person with a bit. But uh, you want the okay. I, I do, if you don't mind. You had, no, 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 I, I don't mind. Well, here's the thing about that story. Is it is Just for the record, everybody listening, my mom is fine. She's hot as ever. She's you a know. pussy, but she's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought she was being a pussy at the time. But yeah, no, no, <laughs> she... 
she she's a hundred percent. She's forgiven me, and I think that's what she means by you know, please kill me. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so we were we were we were duck hunting when I was a kid. Here's the thing about California: is I'll tell this story in California, and people sometimes are more upset that I was duck hunting than I shot my mom in the face, <laughs> uh, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, we were duck hunting, and. Uh, we're out of swamp and you know, my gun jams and I'm frustrated. And my mom's the sweetest woman on earth. And she's calling out, you know, calm down, honey, you'll get it. And I don't want her to scare the ducks away. So I walk away deeper into the swamp and I finally get my gun unjammed and a duck comes to land. I go to shoot it. And on the other side of a bush, my mom starts screaming and, uh, cause she's apparently followed me back into the swamp. And I think she's, I don't know if you know anything about hunting or bird shot. It's a, a whole bunch of BBs and yeah. they, they shoot out and you get peppered sometime. So I think she's being a pussy and she just got peppered and is, but she keeps screaming. So, you know, I get over there, come around the bush and I mean, her face is just fucking blood. Like it looks like, you know, Hannibal Lecter cut it off. And, uh, they, uh, here's how country we are. My dad comes running up and goes, we're not like, Hey, let's get to the hospital. He goes, get the guns and the ducks and I'll take her to shore. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm trying to run through the water and I obviously I fall like my waders fill up with water and grab it. And I'm crying. Cause I just shot my mom's fucking face off. And my mom from the shore says, screams out, stop being a pussy and get everything. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you i'm not being a pussy i'm crying because my mom shot my mom's face off so anyway i get all the stuff and we take her to the hospital and like the bb's in her face weren't even the big problem it was just a lot of blood the bb's in her hand and her elbow she had to have surgery for and uh and she's you know she's she's fine now she called years later dick cheney shot his friend in the face and she calls me up and goes bet you never thought you'd have something in common with dick cheney and it's, <laughs> it's still the funniest thing she's ever said it, here, here's the thing is that's all true except my mom didn't yell out stop being a pussy she yelled out stop being hysterical but it pisses her off more that when I say she said pussy than that I shot her in the face. That's how adorable my mother is. <laughs> um, but I'm a shit son. So when I tell the story, I say she said pussy. <laughs> so how, how does that go on stage? Like uh, when you tell that story? Usually works. Okay. I mean, there's definitely people because you got to get on board with me. The real problem is, and this is with a lot of my stories, I need you to know I'm a truth teller. Because otherwise, it's just a crazy fucking story. Why would I say that out loud? Like, the comedy comes in, I think, and I don't think a story is funny if it didn't actually happen. It's also a lot easier to remember if it's true. Well, that's that's also... I mean, I have jokes in it now and stuff. I did a couple of them yeah. in there. but uh, And I'm super gullible. I did not know comics lied until I started doing comedy. I, yeah. Or at least I thought that I could tell when they were lying. And, and then there was a couple times where... Like, I'll remember the first time this guy had done a bit on his friend being on that show Lock Up, which I love that show. And I fantastic, to, though. Yeah, I went oh, up to him after, and I was like, oh, which guy time. is he? Yeah. Which guy is he? I watch all of them, and he's like, no, that story's not true. I'm like, well, fuck you. Why, why would you <laughs> even tell that fucking story then? Like, it's all the story, like, I'm comfortable lying when I'm saying stuff that is clearly not true. Like, that's why I'll talk about pedophilia all day long. No one's coming up and talking about that. That's, But I don't want to you know, talk about my, I, I, I don't want to talk about my, like, I don't do dating jokes, but a lot of that is because I'm not a bad person in that world. 
Like, yeah. That, to me, that's boring. I Yeah. Like I, whenever I've had like a breakup or whatever, like I, I make fun of the situation. Like, but it, it generally is if I'm have a joke about an ex girlfriend, it generally is a joke at my expense. Yeah, because I don't, I still don't feel right about making fun of that woman, no matter how awful she had been at that time or what. I feel like okay, the the real joke is me for how long I let it go on. Yeah, and it's like because that okay, well, you know, it's like a. I pined after a lesbian for five years because maybe like, yeah. like, it's like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know a whole lot of lesbians who uh, go back to their ex-boyfriends. You know, it's like, <laughs> like the joke is on me yeah. because she didn't, I mean, she did things wrong, but like not in that sense. Like, I, I just feel like it's a safer environment and I would rather be the butt of the jokes than make somebody else the butt of the joke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you're both the butt of the joke. I'm okay yeah. with that too. I, it depends on the, I mean, I definitely have a, I mean, she's kind of an ex, she's an ex lady friend and I got a, I got 10 minutes of material on her, but it's nothing about, it's my reaction to, and she's, I mean, she is crazy, but I don't talk about her being crazy. It's more of the stuff like she likes me to come all over her face. And, oh, and, and, wholesome. and yeah, yeah, that's a wholesome. I mean, she's a crazy, that's the other thing is I'm like, I haven't had like crazy exes except for this one and it's hard to that's one of my biggest problems is comedy is we have to it has to be it has to be definitive which so women are like this and i'm really uncomfortable making it all when i want to do individuals yeah because i think i mean i think that's a problem in our society in general is we use such hyperbole of people are like this and women are like this and, and usually it's the you know it's the anomalies that we remember yeah and i wonder if most people do it because it's about brevity and it's like okay it's just easier to say women are like this than well this girl i knew in third grade and uh my cousin they're both like this like oh. so we just say women oh no ever comics are correct for doing this i'm a crazy person for not being comfortable <laughs> with that uh, okay. this is, yeah this is not a cri- criticism on them that's a hundred percent how you should do comedy i'm not comfortable with that i'm not comfortable if i'm going to tell a true story like I do the pussy thing with my mom, but I add at the end what I said to you at the end about how I'd say that because I'm not comfortable lying in right. a and a, a true story and stuff. So I have to, you know, there's sometimes there were you if I lied, it would be a funnier ending or something. But it's my I've got a lot of brain damage and it makes lying just keeps me up at fucking night, even when it's not on purpose. Uh, so I do, yeah, I avoid it. As well, much I think as if, possible. I think if there's one thing everybody can take away from listening to this, it's that Spence Griffith has brain damage. Yeah, um, which, yeah, so which again, which again leads us back to Bill Cosby. <laughs> My brother Russell has brain damage. Like, so we're good. I, I always like to spread a lot of Bill Cosby around my podcast episodes. So I feel <laughs> like that. I do. I, I feel like that's the way to the top. <laughs> but dude, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you being here uh, or at your house or whatever. Let me see that. Yeah. Uh, do you have social media you want to plug? I'm on Instagram at Spence, not Spencer. I mean, that's the th- Just look up Spence Griffith. Uh, okay. <laughs> on, uh, yeah, if, if you want to or, or don't. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's the, the, begin, the beginning and end of my, yeah, my pitch. Uh, <laughs> come see my house. I really need human contact. <laughs> You've just got to be 18 or over. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, fantastic, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in.